0: This week on Kettle of Fish, actor George Basil stops by to talk about getting wrecked.
1: Welcome to our after show, we call Kettle of Fish, the no-politics laughter show, it's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip, so hooray for Kettle of Fish. Dump, dump. All righty kids, welcome to a special bonus episode of Kettle of Fish, the fun politics laughter show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians and models about life, love and the creative process and maybe a little bit about politics. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Cat broadcasting to you live as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee, and I also want to introduce my stranded, my shipwrecked, my marooned producer, the Gilligan <laughs> to my skipper, the Chuck to my Wilson, the tattoo to my Mr. Wark, D, the girl who does sing this producer. D does that, sing.
0: That's, yeah, I need to have a little theme song or something. I don't know. I haven't written
1: one yet. D uh, does sing. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you miss any little bit, of any of our shows. Of course you can always go to www.tincan.media. That's it. That's all. tincan.media hit enter, poof, you're there. Um and yeah, our newest edition is D-does things, I do things. And you get to
1: watch and it's not nearly as dirty as it sounds, I'm sorry. I, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to hold back any of the um snide <laughs> dirty comments.
0: I know. And you're not the Too first. much going to on that nowadays. Actually.
1: I might get sued. I uh, I know. You not by me. Come on. But, no, um,
0: I did my American's Got Talent audition. I did the video for that. Um, Mary Kay, I'm doing that. Got videos for that. I, I don't know. Mostly so far, that and It things. is a
1: potpourri of D goodness.
0: A yeah. Everything I do. And that's, yeah, that's me. Yeah.
1: Is that mm-hmm. all, folks? All right. Well, let me get Fern in here, and a girl who has a treasure map for all the bottles of liquor buried in her backyard. The Jack Sparrow <laughs> of podcasting, Fern. The very, very moist voice at this point. Heart. <laughs>
2: yes. Uh, well, I'm I'm very very moist because of all the bodily fluids in my house today. Yes. Uh, my kids are not feeling well. But you know, back to theme songs. I think we should all have them. I'm just scared that with a name like Moist Voice, that mine might be like, you know, you know, (laughs) and I'm pretty sure that like there's some 70s porn out there with some moist porn
1: star that's got that. I don't know if I want to be associated with that. You could all buy it on Beta tape. Right. Beta, yes, exactly, like and back of like some like really sleazy like flea market, like in Tuscaloosa or something.
2: I'm gonna throw in my, oh my theme God. music into my eight track. Yeah, no, but I'm enjoying an adult beverage today as usual. Um, this podcast brought to you by Michelob Ultra and Fern's moist voice brought to you by, I guess, also Michelob Ultra. I don't know.
1: Well, I like today because it's a, we're going to be talking about Wrecked, and the intro had a lot of nautical-type themes to it. We're staying right on point with the kettle of fish theme. Like that time that guy kept – like we get these weird fan mail – I don't even know what they're fan mail – emails from people all over the world. And this guy came to our page and was like, what type of fish do you sell? And I kept trying to explain to him through this fucking language barrier <laughs> that we were a podcast and I didn't sell fish and he kept getting more and more frustrated, thinking I was screwing with him. He's like, don't you want my money? Don't you under... I don't know why I pictured him in that accent. But he's like, don't you want my money? Don't you like, want me to buy your beautiful fish? And I was like, dude, you're really not getting what we are.
2: I, I want to back up that thought process just a little bit. Let's take it all the way to the beginning, Who the fuck keeps fish in a kettle to begin with? Now, let's just start there and move forward. Like, it's all podcasting, but who keeps their fish in a kettle? Like, all I'm seeing is, like, these witches with a cauldron, and it's a bunch of koi, like, swimming around. Like, who does that? I'm trying to just understand the thought process to begin with. That's that's kind of crazy.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, okay. if you think a podcasting network is an online fish store, you've got bigger problems than trying to parse out the meaning of old-timey sayings. Yeah, That's but true. reality
2: is kind of out the window these days, so, meh. We are in the fifth of,
1: dimension, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, um, Dee, who do we got coming up on the end of the year, and who are we speaking to today? All right, well, we have got
0: the 21 Punk Salute coming up on the next episode of Musical Osmosis. And it's going to be a really big show, just a really big show. We're going to have uh, Steve Moriarty from The Gits, Danny Cox from The Feathers, Rick Sims from The Digits, Dave Smalley from Down By Law and Dag Nasty, and Jason from Narcoleptic Youth. And then our insane 500-hour, no, five-hour end-of-the-year show, because you did it again. Uh we're gonna have I William know Sanderson. I had to push
1: for three hours, and by the time I was done booking, I was like, sorry um, yeah, guys, I know I five know. It's hours. Okay.
0: Sorry, we're gonna have William Sanderson, Travis Harmon, Allison Clemp, Mike Bushman, B Squid, the Library Bards, John Lear, Angela Gulner, Jenny Jaffe, Joe Castro, Deborah Lamb, Yuri Bernofsky, Corey Clark, and Steve Trash running it all out.
1: So yeah, yes. we're gonna
0: Right? It's gonna way be ten, to... tons of fun.
1: And who are we speaking to today? Do we have a special guest today for this very special bonus episode? We
0: absolutely do. The one of the few actors that I'm telling you, I've finally seen him as a bad guy, and it just doesn't—it doesn't fit in my brain. It just doesn't.
1: oh, Rollerdale. Like,
0: yeah, I'm like he's fit he's he's not a bad guy. I don't get it. No, today we have the super fun, always awesome Mr. George Basil. Hi, George. Uh,
1: Hi, how you doing?
3: The oh, It's the nicest. No one has ever seen Roller
1: <laughs> I actually oh, thought it. it was hilarious, but my stupid Roku box halfway through it kept restarting it, and then you can't oh, fast no. forward because there's fucking ads. So after about three yeah. times of me watching the same hour over again, I gave up. It defeated me, George. Yeah. Roller Town beat yeah. me. Roller beat you. I, it, I, it was on Netflix when it
3: first got released i think and uh i don't know how those contracts worked but then it was pulled off eventually but those kids that made it the halagosians as i call picnic face is an amazing sketch troupe did you guys watch any other other stuff after that
1: now roller on town just popped up on my radar I think yesterday and I was like well I gotta check this out yep and the funny thing is was when I had to go look at the IMDB to see who you were because you oh. look so different and then once you know I found out who you were of course I was like there's George but at first like I was like yeah we're, we're like you look totally different just your whole demeanor and that's how you know it's a good actor like it took me okay, a while yeah. to figure out Courtney Cox was in scream. Yeah. And how, because she was so transformative. I was like, oh shit, that's yeah. the Monica from Friends. My God. Yeah. And it was kind of the same totally. thing with you. Like I couldn't relate that to the George that I've come to know that, you know, through Rekt and all the shows you're on now.
3: Yeah, good. I've I've tricked you.
1: No, you have tricked done, me. You've tricked I've my senses. My <laughs> you're like <"Well, laughs>
3: Yeah. That was a that was an amazingly fun thing. That was like one of my first big jobs is definitely my first feature and to go out of town like I'd never been to Canada and they shot that in Halifax Nova Scotia oh shit and oh yeah, that's my neck so you, of the woods oh god i love your neck of the woods it's the most beautiful it was through summer into fall so it was like uh september october november and boy it's gorgeous
1: well let me tell you this um I felt like the first time you came across my radar was on wrecked. I listened to, I like Jake and Amir. I'm big fans of theirs. And I went back and listened to an episode from 2015 on their podcast. If I were you and you guys were kind of joking around towards the end of the show. And they're like, well, where can people find George Basil? And you're like, I'm everywhere. You know, just kind of being funny. But (laughs) now you. Yeah. Well, now I'm saying like Netflix, (laughs) you're on Netflix on flake. You're on Crashing and Smilf. You're on yeah. a fucking No Tomorrow and CW. You're on TBS yeah. of course wrecked. You are everywhere now. This is truly two thousand and seventeen yeah, year not, of Basil. I,
3: it's the the first year of many basil years, hopefully. I've got like tattoos like that are they're only symbolically for what you're saying. Like there are it's been an outrageous year of work, so I'm just getting like weird symbols all over my body forever.
1: Yeah, I noticed that you have that big L on you and that's that it was that related to one of the shows that you're on? No, that's
3: actually uh for my daughter whose name is Lula, but it's that Laverne nice. L. Yeah. I got yeah, that I in Canada. It was great.
1: Well, you know, and one of the things that struck me when I'm watching you play all these different roles, and I had to imagine there's a lot of crossover and overlap because you are, as I mentioned, in four different shows, either as a series regular or a star, plus all these one-offs, when you're doing all these projects in such quick succession and, and the characters are a little bit similar – how do you keep them from bleeding into each other? Like, are you ever on wrecked and you're like, Oh, well that sounds a little bit too much like cooler. Or are you on crashing and you're like, okay, this is going to look to be a little bit too chetty. Like, how do you separate all those characters when they're similar like that? Yeah. It's, it's like,
3: they've all been the same color. Like, like you're saying, they're all sort of, if you want to categorize that dude, it's like hippie ish or like, crystal worshiping or you know but right. they're a shade of that there are different shades of that color that i tried pretty hard to like nail and uh crashing was the first time that i ever actually thought about what you're saying and making characters different because coming from an improv background man you ask me to play a hippie he'll be different one million times out of a million because you're wow. making this shit up and you know every every other person on that stage with you that's making it up with you is informing what kind of hippie you are and that's right the fun part of that but um when you're doing it on a show and you have to revisit it and a lot of times i don't watch much of my shit from previous seasons so i have to like go back and 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 watch little clips um to take it to the next season and and figure out who that character is again but uh i remember doing it on crashing and hoping it wasn't like cooler and Pete and I talked about it and he was pretty stoked so I figured out i it's a weird compartmentalization of like being a, a weird creative idiot because they're so fun to play coolers fun man that's oh like, yeah
1: I can imagine
3: like, uh-huh. Jesus Christ like Will and Pete and getting to improvise with all these people on camera and being uh, something that's a fun character like a stoner is just its so fun <laughs> It's so fun. Uh, but you want, yeah, I, little things. Like, I'll have to just, like, okay, how stupid is Cooler? Right. Definitely stupid. You know,
1: but how stupid is Leaf? Not as stupid as Cooler. <laughs> and Chet takes, like, stupid pride. So what is, like, it, for example, and I'll just pull one out here. Like, what's the difference between Leaf and Chet? Like, what's the main character difference between those two guys?
3: Yeah. M- Leaf is definitely more um, spiritually guided and so in that way, he's got that false cerebral notion where he feels like, oh, yeah, I know
0: this stuff, man. i
3: just follow this stuff, dude, and let me help you out. Whereas even in the first season of Wrecked, where Chet takes um, Asif's character, Pac, out and does drugs in the, in the rainforest. Right. Hopefully I didn't spoil that for anyone that hasn't watched the show or something. Uh, it's more like him just bullshitting a lesson instead of actually being embodied by that lesson. So he's
1: not as invested.
3: Totally. Yeah, exactly. He's just kind of a bullshitter. Chet's a weirdo. I think, I mean, the first episode when they were like, okay, you're going to be passed out on a plane with tiny vodka bottles in your hands? I was like, right on. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, that's it. That's everything. That's your whole... Like, he just
2: described my Saturday night.
3: Seriously.
2: He just described (laughs) every every Saturday night.
1: night. (laughs) <laughs> you take Tuesdays that's, off Ellen.
2: that's awesome and you know the one thing I liked about Chet too is where they have really like man it was so nice to see in season two just a different depth to Chet especially when and again I don't I don't know how much spoilers I can give the season's out so you gotta go watch yeah. it but you know you really gave a lot of different depth to that character there's almost like a little evil streak like a little badass in there and because you're used to seeing him as like happy-go-lucky like whatever like everything's cool chill guy and then all of a sudden you see that little tiny evil streak and i'm like oh oh it's it's chester now not chet this is great i like this
1: likes it yeah i was gonna say fern like you.
3: oh yeah i like you you too thanks fern and i like you that you like and that is a good uh example of a of a component that chet could have and leaf could never it could never exist in that character like they would never if they tried to write an episode where he turns into like bizarre leaf it's not gonna work you know well when they made chet all evil and stuff on that on that boat um that was fun
1: (laughs) Well, explain this to me then because the first season of Wreck, we didn't see a whole lot of Chet. He was kind of in the periphery, and season yeah. two, like he really becomes more significant to the story. And we had Osif on here right after season one. I mean, Wreck is definitely one of my favorite shows on right now. But going yeah. into um season two. During season one, do the directors or writers or whoever tell you, Hey, we're gonna develop this character, you're gonna be seeing more Or did you go up to him and say, Hey, I want this guy to do more, can we get him to do more? Or is everything like fly by the seat of your pants and you don't know from season to season what's gonna happen?
3: Yeah, it's uh the development stuff is up to mostly the actor and all of the, the that entire cast is rad and they really do yeah, they can do no wrong. I mean, James Griffiths was the was the the director for the pilot, and yeah. he had a ton of input. So it's a it's definitely a collaboration between those two more than that's not true. The Shipleys actually had sit downs, I think, with everybody, and they were like, you know, you got it because of the audition, and here's the cool things you did. Here's another direction or another direction you can take. Um, whatever character choices you make, which is. Everybody was wide open, dude. It was the most fun to collaborate and like get to make, you know, the chets and the packs and the. What's Greenberg's character name? In that. Uh, Who, who's Greenberg? Will, Green, Will Greenberg Todd? That's Todd,
1: right? Oh, uh, I can look it up here. Hold on one second. Oh ah, shit! <laughs> I forget. Um, um, yeah, right. I think that's um, Todd. Todd. Yep. Todd. That's the
3: one. Yeah. Like it's insane, you know. But that's. That's him making great choices, and then when, like I said, James, the director or the ship, see it, they're like, "Yeah, totally," and then they support that direction, and you're flying, and and you know, it's a ridiculously wonderful position to be in, and it's crazy to be able to be like, "Oh, that's my work."
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, and I mean, that. This, Wrecked, and I like a lot of stuff that's on TBS, so that's no surprise. And Wrecked is a show that just feels right. It feels organic. It feels natural. You were on another show called No Tomorrow, and I wow. usually avoid the CW like the fucking plague. I don't really like <laughs> a lot that's on CW. It's really watered it's mostly down. like and, hero shit, right? Yeah, mostly. it's just – but this show nailed it. It was totally the exception to the rule. It was charming. It had that, like – my name is Earl Vibe, and I really dug it. And But the thing I couldn't believe is when I looked up the info, because I watched it on Netflix. I binge-watched a bunch of it on Netflix. I cannot believe that The Flash, that lame-ass Flash show, is going into season five, and No Tomorrow didn't get fucking picked up for a second season. What happened with that show? I can't believe it.
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I think, because I was in and out. I did um, some at the beginning and then right. some at the end of season one. Uh, so I missed a good chunk of the meaty three months in the middle. But, like, I don't – I think because it was an hour long, um, that must have ha- – like, how long is The Flash? Is that a 30-minute? No, that's and an hour. Hero, That's an hour, too?
1: Yeah, and DC 10 mm-hmm. or whatever that other superhero show is, which is, like I said, yeah. not a very good show. Me being a comic book guy, it's just terrible. Yeah, uh, that's, that's thing. an I'm hour, too, too. But I can't, like, watch the – most of the
3: series are just not – I mean, Thor was rad, though, right?
1: Yeah, I haven't seen uh, Ragnarok. But, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. movies are cool. But when it comes to TV, except yeah. for Gotham, most of the stuff that gets on the TV is just not hitting its mark. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but I think because CW does uh, mostly, that's where the bread, you know, that's their bread-winning shows. You no, know, tomorrow they probably didn't know what the fuck it was. And they were like, what? Yeah, it's an hour. And it's funny and it's interesting and it's moving. But, like... Why doesn't the guy have a cape or some shit?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. I turn it on and I see the little CW symbol, and I'm like, all right, let me force myself to watch this because like, I want to have a wide variety of what George has done. And, like, <laughs> 10 minutes in, they start talking about the band White Snake. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to like this show. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the writers for
3: that, that Tori and Scott, uh, they created and wrote most of it down. And they just, busted their ass and they're hilarious those they actually worked under just similar to picnic face the the halifax guys that did uh rural town Tori and scott were they were doing like web videos under um, two trick pony with nice. their production company yeah and they, they're hilarious like that's they're they're funny as, as hell so it's cool that they get a show and uh you no know, tomorrow
1: will last for sure yeah, I'm definitely sad that show's gone away. Um, what is on George Basil's apocalypse? Yeah. Woo, do I even want to know? Is this gonna get too oh, blue? It's
3: gonna get real blue. it's um uh, I mean what was his
1: apocalypse again? It's like what it was a lot of regrets before? that he wanted to make yeah. up for and a lot of shit that he's never done. It was like, you know, driving a doom yeah. buggy and shit like that.
3: Yeah, shit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That wouldn't be online What would my apocalypse be Shit I feel like I'm already Pretty well prepared and I've got most things Crossed off that list It's like I'm
1: growing my own food (laughs) Collecting water Yeah George Spade's the living the dream Isn't he Fern
2: Absolutely and you know I'm all for growing your own food Actually in Virginia Beach I live in Virginia Beach now I'm originally from Maine uh, but here, you can't have rainwater barrels. Like, you're not allowed to have them, which really kind of sucks. Yeah, but stopped. I do a garden every year, and I'm all about, you know, my organic fertilizer and being able to go out and just pick a salad and make one if I want to. But, it, you know, yeah. the one thing I pulled from No Tomorrow was like a sense of balance, right? Like you can't be stuck in a cubicle with your mundane, get up, go to work, come home, go to bed. And, you know, that's not a fulfilling life, but you also can't like go completely apeshit either and do crazy things like all the time. There has to be a balance. And I think that the main female lead in that kind of embodied grabbing that balance while also accepting you know, the outside forces and how to, how to deal with things she wasn't comfortable with, but really incorporated it into her life, which is, you know, I think if more people did that, they, they framed that balance in their life to say, yeah, you know what, I am going to do this crazy thing, but I'm not going to do it like every single day. Like, I right, think that's sure. a good balance for people to have. And that's kind of what I gleaned out of that show. And I'm sad it got canceled too, because I, I really like that.
3: Yeah, that's, I mean, pretty remarkably said but you're right we go i mean the the key the goal for all of us at this point day-to-day life just seems to be like to face the least amount of challenges you know whether it's like i have a job that sucks but it's easy i have a car that works but it's because it's new and it's easy and uh all that stuff And so we just get lulled into this sort of dull drumming of life and uh it was it's cool like you're saying to to have a list, even if it is spastic as shit and completely random, but you do it every now and again, because that's the only one you'll be reminded that you're living a fucking life.
1: Well, I've seen a lot of beautiful souls that I've grown up with, and and it would get to a point where they would get married and maybe have a kid. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey, man, it's New Year's Eve. Why don't we do something over your house? Well, I'm an adult now. What the fuck does that mean? You've spent the last yeah, like 20 yeah. years of your life trying to get out of your house so you can have the freedom to have people over and now you're self-imposing yeah. the same rules onto yourself that your parents had yeah. on you the whole time you were growing up that's and it. complaining that's about the it.
3: whole pattern right there you're said, you said it that it's the parents pattern that lands on us but because it's aligned with comfort with like comfort and it's aligned with safety and it, it does have good qualities it's just that when we we let that become like you said the that's the new rule now <laughs> you're an adult that means you're You're done. You retired from breathing.
1: Yep. Running out the clock, as I always say, just sit there and, and and they're supposed to say I'm an adult now, as if that means something. And I'm supposed to nod my head and go like you caught rabies or something. Oh shit. I'm sorry. You caught adultness. Fuck. All right, man. Nice knowing you. That's not how it's supposed to work. Right.
2: I don't think so. Personally. I mean, I think that when you're an adult, you can do things like whatever you want to do, as long as you frame it in the, the realm of responsibility, So, like, I've got kids, and I've got responsibilities, and I have things I need to do, but yet I still go out, I have my fun, or, you know, during the summer, we do a big party here, 4th of July, for Danielle's birthday, we do trivia on the back porch, and we have a big party on Saturday, and we do food and and booze, and, you know, I make jello shots, and do karaoke, and it's a lot of fun. So you got to break that stuff up. I mean, being an adult doesn't mean you have to be responsible 100% of the time. It just means you got to be responsible to the point to where you don't kill another motherfucker. Seriously, (laughs) that's how it's got to go. So that's, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it.
1: Yeah, and it's good that creative types like us, George, can kind of break that mold. But it's also when I go to family events and they're like, what are you doing now? I remember I used yeah. to throw concerts. And they're like, so what are you doing for a living? I was like, oh, I just threw this big concert down on um, St. Maryland Island. Um, and they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm right. a concert promoter. I throw concerts. I don't know what that means. Well, concerts yeah. just don't like come about spontaneously somebody has to hire security and the bands and put it all together yeah yeah but what are you really doing and i I, I, oh, nothing i'm not doing anything never mind (laughs) and it's fucking frustrating man for sure
3: yeah it is we um yeah we're locked into some pretty straight like low hum living and it's again it really just comes back down to if you can do that and you can quote unquote support a family well then i guess that's a win if that's it but i don't know i mean i travel i have a nine year old girl and traveling is uh she's got two family so two houses here right so she has her mom's place and she has my place and those are both completely different ways to exist like she's different in both houses which is insane to think and uh she's she's Exposed to completely different things, but the thing that I like doing is like taking her on some of these trips. So Rex shot in Fiji; she came to Fiji. Crashing shot in New York; she comes to New York. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, man. I'm in a
1: similar situation with my 12 year olds. I can totally relate.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a tough one for them more than anyone. But when they're awesome about it, it's inspiring for me. I'm sure as it is for you. To just see him be so tough and so badass and kind of like, you know, they're bulletproof. It's rad.
1: Plus, um, they know something that the rest of their peers don't because they mm-hmm. do have a little bit of that real world on them. And I like that. Most definitely. Yeah. most definitely. So I think that's a good thing. All right. I got to shift gears here. The fans are going to lynch me if I don't mention crashing and the George Basil full frontal nudity scene.
3: <laughs> are you ready yes. to
1: talk about your junk, George?
3: I'm so I'm sending you selfies as we as we talk right now. Right. Uh, can I post <laughs> them on the show
1: page for all to <laughs> yeah. see and
3: examine? Totally updated. I'm smaller
1: if that's possible.
2: <laughs> that's Do great. you think Trump will retweet that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not even touching that one. All right. Let's talk about um, the full frontal though. What is the mechanics of this? Does everybody leave the room except who absolutely has to be there? Are there any kind of guidelines? I don't know how you even perform without being self-conscious about that in that kind of situation. Yeah. Paint a picture for me, George, how does this go down? Sure.
3: So most of the shooting up until that day had been done on location. So we were shooting in a house in Jersey, a house in Long Island, different places. And then that was my first day in the studio. So it's a big old studio built out in every different form and fashion where it's like, here's the hotel room, here's the bedroom, here's the this and here's that. So I'm in a partially built bathroom, completely non-functioning on a set that is connected to a mostly built bedroom. Gotcha. And um, and then um, Lauren's on the bed and, you know, we go through the scene and I had known, I found out a couple hours before, I knew from the rehearsal, to be honest, a few days before it, that they were going to want some sort of movie. And so I was just kind of like, yeah, man, Judd, sure, whatever the fuck you want. Why did they wait to spring it on you? uh, I think they did. I um, I I think that it's something that most actors in my position would do. I don't know. It never really crossed my mind to say no. I understand why some people would that would consider themselves sex symbols or something i understand why a lot of women would because they're so sexualized in general and like yep. that makes sense but for me dude i'm a fucking clown and so <laughs> is my dick <laughs> so it's just nice. me and my clown, clown dick
1: <laughs> clown dick is the phrase for this episode take that chick in the mirror we've got the best phrase uh, of them all clown dick
3: so Amazing. that's really as simple as it was, it was it was like, yeah, okay, you guys are going to need some something. Thinking butt shot, thinking, you know, whatever. But then as we got there and walked through it, it was never forced or anything. Judd never even brought it up as we were shooting. It was just that I was naked under this washcloth. And I knew that they were open to the nudity. And so if I found a spot where I can make the nudity sort of comedically Heightened shit then i'd do it no one ever said okay on this one drop the towel just like action cut action cut action cut and the, you know the whole while judd's giving me direction line direction p direction so it just feels like a normal scene and at one during one take it was like um i said something and then i just dropped it and so then from then on every take we did was me dropping that fucking washcloth. So I it to myself Oh, it, You it,
1: take do um, more than one take? How many takes did you have to do with that? Of you and your uh-huh. clown dick? <laughs> I did <laughs> I Clown did, dick I takes 15. six <laughs> <laughs>
3: Clown dick Clown dick did like eight
2: I probably did <laughs> like 15 <laughs> yep. See I just you thought you had up. an affinity for hand towels because you had that scene mm-hmm. and then you also had the cooler scene in Flaked. Or do you yeah, walk out, just wear the hand towel and sit down on the couch. And I'm like, man, this dude just likes to walk around with hand towels on his junk. Like it's so cool.
3: Like... For, like that <laughs> was the strangest thing when they when I read that and I was like, wait a second, have they seen like Has it even come out? I don't think it had come out yet. So it was completely coincidental. And I was like, sure, I'm a washcloth guy.
1: Well, you know, um, another thing that I like about you, two things really, is. We're both from the Baltimore area. I'm actually from Waldorf. And when I read you're from Baltimore, right. I was like, kick ass. Because so many, we just had um, Meryl Hathaway, who is on this season. Oh, yeah. Good Place. She's from Baltimore, actually from Rockville. And Brandy Posey we had on not too long ago. And she's from Baltimore. And there is so much great fucking talent. I don't think people realize how much talent comes out of that, like, that Beltway, D.C. to Baltimore area right there there is so much oh, talent yeah. out that way man and it's dude, they don't get was, their props no it's true yeah and uh
3: martin lawrence had just come out of like i guess dc or something when i was yep. a kid and i remember watching him and it was, yeah it was uh it's an ex, it was an exciting place to like do did you ever
1: perform in maryland or mm-hmm. dc nah, i'm not a show. performer i'm just some asshole yeah. behind a mic
3: yeah same without a mic i'm just an asshole with a clown dick
1: <laughs> but I didn't.
3: I didn't grow the balls. I never had the balls to perform when I lived in Maryland. So the first time I got up on stage was, uh was Austin, Texas.
1: And really? I didn't know yeah. that. Wow.
3: huh. And then from there, New York, and then, that was that. But, um yeah, it was a cool place to be from. I was. I was in Greektown. My mom had me, and uh, they were living, in Greektown, like Eastern Avenue, in that little Greek spot. You're Greek too.
1: Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say that's another yeah. thing we have in common. My family's from Noxus, and I think I had heard you changed your last name. What was your last name before it was Basil? Oh, before it was Basil, it was Vasiliadis. I didn't
3: actually change it though. That was Papu, my grandfather, uh, when he was coming through Ellis. The story is uh, the the like immigration agent. They had butchered his name like three or four times as he arrived and went through, you know, different customs and stuff, and so the one that was stamping his i don't even know what the fuck it would be and the card with his official name on it um he mispronounced his last name again because was like v-a-s-i-l-e-i-a-d-e-s you know oh. like kutsurus <laughs> holy and yeah so uh my grandfather just asked him like what he saw in that word and the guy was like basil because it's it looks like the first five letters she's like cool do it fuck this
1: yeah and i always make the joke because you see all these different minority groups like being targeted and i saw this video this woman attacking this greek woman and i was like oh well here we go man we're like one john stamos fuck up away from being the next (laughs) marginalized like as soon as john stamos gets caught with like a hooker people are gonna be like you dirty fucking greeks (laughs) Jeez. So, judge Stamos, if you're, you're listening, women. yeah, be on your yeah. best behavior, man. I don't want to start like being like hate crimes perpetrated on me because of my last <laughs> That would suck. He speaks. he speaks for the Greeks. Yes, who speaks for the Greeks? Indeed, that's true. So and, where are you from?
2: Originally, I'm from Maine, and now I live in Virginia Beach. I'm from like everywhere, though. I've got like. Some Syrian in me, which, honestly, after 9-11, I wasn't telling too many people about that. No. Uh, sure. uh, Native American, some Spanish, and some, uh, uh, what else do I have? Oh, English, yeah. So I always tell people, I'm white on the outside, brown on the inside, because that's pretty much where the mix of blood is. <laughs> so, yeah. But originally from Maine, that Nova Scotia area, like the very chill, people are chill, too, up there. They're very... Very chill, very laid back, uh, very yeah. real, down to earth, and it's a it's a very different experience moving to Virginia Beach uh, twenty years ago. It was uh, it was a culture shock, but you know it's it's uh, opened my eyes to the world a little more and made me kinder and want to put more positive out versus uh, you know kind of staying in my hole and under my rock. So I think it's a good thing.
1: All right, I I want to hit this last thing before we got to get out of here. I want to talk about Man Underground. Because that movie, once again, I'm seeing I got to know you first through all these other projects where you do kind of play that character. I go back and watch Man Underground and I'm like, man, this guy really has some fucking acting chops. No that shit. is you such-
2: watched it,
1: dude. Oh yeah. So it was on Amazon. So I put it on, watched it. I do my research. I'm watching this thing and it's like this is such a big process and such a big production and it's a dramatic role and it ends very dramatically. Do you like just going and doing the comedy and doing like these short little bits and kind of just playing these ongoing characters? Would you I, cause I have to imagine it's emotionally exhausting to do a movie like Man Underground, right? Is that something you want to do more of, or are you happy in the pocket you're in?
3: Oh well, yeah. I wanna do more of everything, man. I don't I just started calling myself an actor recently until then it's until then it just like was you know, improviser or clown dick, and I was happy with either.
1: I mean, I would be happy if I could reach the status of clown dick, <laughs> so I hear...
3: Yeah, it is. That's a tough one. It takes many lifetimes to reach clown dick, but... Um,
1: what school did uh, you go to to perfect the art of clown dick?
3: <laughs> it's is there an
1: academy for that? <laughs> yeah.
3: It's in the only neutral country in the world. It's in Switzerland. Nice. And do you have to take
2: like business classes and swing dance to get that degree? Or, <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> you've got to have rhythm <laughs> and you got to have a, an associate's degree in business. You um, were
1: writing my show notes for me, George. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, dude, I didn't like because I, I'm not, I'm, I'm largely untrained, uh, improv only, right? Like, that's the whole background, and then just class clowned it mostly, but um. The, the process is just fun. Like going upstate to shoot Man Underground, you know, you're going to be there for 26 days. Uh, you know, you're going to like everybody because most of them are friends already. The, the script is like, cool. We'll get it. We'll rehearse little pieces of it and then we'll just like gun it. And you're all staying in the same house. Like that's the, that's the biggest thing that is, that is most impressive to me on a project is like when it's a low budget or no budget thing and everyone cast and crew get to stay in the same place like um same hotel or same massive house or something and so you see everybody in the morning eating breakfast having coffee before you go to work and work is the most fun thing you could possibly do that day anyway so are those bonds
1: like, like forged forever like being in a yeah. war together or do you just do your thing and go your separate ways
3: No, no. When it's, when it's that level, strangely, like those bonds are so much more significant than when it is just uh, an awesome job. Like if I'm in the star Wars movie, I drive to work, I make a million dollars and I have fun shooting fake lasers and then I go home. Right. Right. You're not going to be like, Oh, Hey dudes that are also, you know, way too successful, way too rich and way too busy. Let's go have a beer. People don't want to fucking hang. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we just talked so, about that with Chris Fern about like because he was on. He just did a big production. I'm like, wow, do you get to have a beer with Tom Sizemore? And he's like, no, I'm not having a beer. What about, dude? That guy
3: gets Like they say cut, and they're like, what? Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah,
2: but- it does sound like you're living the dream though man because you're you're in roles that you really enjoy, your characters you really enjoy, your locations you really enjoy, the work you really enjoy. Like yeah. it really sounds like and this is, you know, we hear this a lot from people, you know, if you really are passionate and love your work, like you don't ever have a bad it's not work. Like you don't ever have a bad day. Like it's just all good, and that is the way to be. And it doesn't matter what profession you're in, if you can find that passion and go Mm -hmm. for it and reach for it, then it's every day is like a
3: gift. It's the only life I think worth living because there are still challenges. Obviously, there are so many different emotional and you know things day to day and and all that shit that we're gonna have to deal with already. So as long as you can find something, like you said, that's Um, that's aligned with what you like spending your time doing, I think you're fine. But then when you when you don't have that and you give 20, 30, 40 years to, to a task that you hate or that you grow to hate, you're fucked. You're going to be like soured at some point, whether it's you becoming grumpy and old or whether it's you like, I don't know, but, I'm trying yeah, it to it. seems to happen that. faster uh, now,
1: too. Where it used to take, like, I just told you this the other day, Fern. It was like, man, it used to be like the 70 year old with bars on his windows that said, get off my lawn. But yeah. now it's like people I grew up with that are 40. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are yes, like, oh, totally.
1: like, what the fuck? You're only 40, dude. Yeah. And it's crazy at the hyper speed that happens at nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's because we are saturated
3: with so much stuff, like so many ridiculous. Uh, so we're going to go down a rabbit hole right now. <laughs> mm. I love uh, rabbit holes. Yeah, keep going. Uh, we're all r-
2: about holes on this network. We're good.
3: Yeah. Holes this is and abstract. Clown Dick. <laughs> clown dick is about to... Hold on, I'll put Clown Dick
1: on. <laughs> 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 this um, is a twofer. We're getting George and Clown Dick for the price of yeah, one this, is this is your, podcast.
3: just th- third show. Here, you didn't even know it.
1: Well, and here's the thing. When you look back, just to kind of talk more and then I'll let you go, but just to kind of expand on the whole running out the clock lifestyle to what you do. When you look back at like your college humor videos and Dee and Fern just could not stop going on and on about your hangover videos. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, dude. That one's fun. That's gotten tortured. That is a, a,
2: a, in a my a brain, tomorrow. man. Oh, my God, that is so me. The goggles and the roller skates and the vomiting and the hair of the dog. I've made that mistake more than once. Oh, my God, that is
1: so true. Yeah. But all that college humor and funny or die stuff, when you look back on that, are you like, I'm glad I did this. This got me here. Or are you like, man, I can't believe how unseasoned I was back then? Do you look back with fondness and go, those were the days that were so simple? Are you nostalgic yeah. about those days or are you critical, like hypercritical of yourself?
3: Yeah, I think the 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 criticism. I the only way that I can combat that is by not ref- not actually seeing the work, not looking at it, because it doesn't do me any good. I don't learn anything from watching me. I just sit there and like put tiny needles in myself. So, right. I don't do that, but nostalgic for sure. Grateful as fuck forever. Like think of thinking of college right first, I made that's that's where I made every friend I have in Los Angeles. I didn't know the college senior people in New York, but then what's interesting is in making the move to Los Angeles. You meet all of these people that you heard about, or your friends were friends with in New York, and then you finally meet them here. And it like exponentially opens up your your social group and your friend group, and that's your work group here. You know, like those are the people that you, that do approach you, and they're like, "Hey, man, you want to do this one day? Because this would be fun." And so, yeah, that's and I get that
1: good. too, cause I'm just like some little humble guy in Tennessee that does this rate, you know, this little podcast out of my house. And I started meeting people and it wasn't a situation of, hey, like, can I do this project or audition or anything? People are just like, hey, you want to do this project with me? And it was just so organic and natural as opposed to this idea of I'm packing my suitcase and heading to L.A. to be a star. Like, it doesn't work that way, at least not always and not now anymore, at least. No. And I don't think it should because
3: then you just I don't know that that might be too much gravy on your mashed potatoes for anyone. Like you move to a place because you want to do this thing, but that thing can never actually be the thing you're thinking about. Right. Like we're, we're sold on this great dream of wealth or uh, certain things that we associate with freedom. But like, that's, it's not real. That's like a, it's an abstract vision of like trying to find just like, real happiness there see that's the rabbit hole that clown dick has been trying to force him to go
1: down. <laughs> clown everybody dick should start his own back. religion <laughs>
3: he got everybody back on my hair
1: and he's like pushing me around uh, i would be in the clown dick cult well i remember years ago i had a friend that was in a semi-famous metal band and we went out to a club and people were like asking for his autograph and yeah. afterwards, I was like, man, I wonder what these kids would do. Cause he was, you know, he was probably 10 years older than all these kids who came up to him. I was like, I wonder if they, what they would do if they knew you were going back home to live at your mom's. Like, you're getting ready to go back to your mom's house tonight and then sell your guitars online cause you're so broke. You know, <laughs> yes. like this image totally. they have, he has a video on MTVs. He's going back to his mansion to sleep with four porn stars and he still right. lives at his mom's house and selling guitars on fucking eBay.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, we're, we find these like, Really sinister ways to, to to punish ourselves by thinking that another life is better than your own, or like, man, that guy's like you said, that guy's a rock star. That guy's of that. Uh, that must mean this. But it's like, no, we all have the same have shot at the same thing. But I don't know, we we stopped like listening to it or some shit. I don't know. It's why I don't watch TV and stuff. But I don't know if that helps or hurts.
1: I Me guess sure. it depends on what you're watching. All right, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Before we go, George, this has been a complete delight. I want to end with this No tomorrow, not coming back. Wrecked. I saw it's getting picked up for season three. What's yeah. going on with Crashing and Flake? Because I imagine it's hard on Netflix or Hulu. Like anytime a um, show goes past season two, it's really good. <laughs> like it's so hard to get a season three or four on oh, those platforms. yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, it's hard to get a season one off of pilots nowadays, for sure. But, uh yeah, so Crashing is going to get a third season as well. Nice. Yep, and uh that's going to be great. Flakes doesn't have a very concrete end or, like, revisit date. So, you know, we had the second season, and basically anytime time I get together with David or Ruth or Will, it's just like...
1: Hey. <laughs> but Will Arnett's <laughs> a powerhouse, right? He can do anything
3: yeah, he wants. For sure, and that's what he did with Flake, and he, yeah, he nailed it. But, uh, uh um, uh, yeah, if you wanted to, to bring it back when he has time, for sure, and we'd all be totally on board because it's so fun.
1: Yeah, Will Arnett's another guy, I Sweat. That guy is a fucking genius. Madman. Yeah.
3: I love yeah, Will we just. He's we great. just watched Ken's Mutant Ninja Turtles last night, and man, he's rad in that. He's so good.
1: He's good in everything. Everybody that came out of that little pocket is great. Fern, I know yeah. you're dying, so um, I guess you can have the last word if you want, because I know you're back there probably getting ready to pass out from illness. Yeah,
2: I'm actually like freaking out here because like I had some serious internet. I, got, I chose this week to switch over from Cox to Verizon with my internet and my cable and everything. And I shit you not, dude was out here six hours with the install and then the next two subsequent days out here four hours just trying to unfuck whatever he fucked up. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, I have research to do and I want to watch Mm -hmm. this. So once I started on Flaked and I've checked out No Tomorrow, that's a fantastic show. I love crashing. That's a fantastic show. But I binge watched Flaked like nobody's a business. I was like, I freaking love this because it's really a tortured freaking soul trying to help people while trying to help himself and all these people around him. And cooler was like, I loved Cooler. Cooler was like the most chilled up guy. And even when he wasn't supposed to like Will, like he totally did. And it was like, oh, wait, I got to catch myself. I'm not supposed to like you. But he was just that <laughs> yeah. chill that he did. You know, and I think everybody can draw a lot out of this show. And yeah, I'm sorry. I'm kind of fangirling out. But I think it was oh, a really man. cool yeah. show. And What's I it awesome? really connected with me. It was
3: really cool. That's so nice of you, Fern. Thanks. I'm glad you liked it. It was, uh, like I said, I'd jump at, at the chance to go back to and shoot another season of it because it was just so fun to be cooler and like to get to improvise with a hero of mine and uh yeah Dave Sullivan was was amazing the guy who played Dennis like and uh, he, the um the police officer Bob wisdom
0: ah yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: I mean like from the wire, he's he's from so much stuff that I have actually gone to I had to watch a of the wild people Baltimore thing. Uh but you you just watch him and you learn. Like in every moment you're learning something. It's cool. Um but yeah, I'm glad you liked it. And it was really cool and dark and like it was shot so sort of gritty and gross and alcoholic y, you know. <laughs>
2: Right. Right. And you know, if there's ever another hand towel scene, I expect to see a clown dick tattoo added to the uh
1: <laughs> to the <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> to
2: the collection. <laughs> I think
1: you're asking for a little bit too much for just uh, a lot of it, so just no. a red nose. Dude,
2: you that would be so red red funny. Nose.
1: Maybe there on you the, on your belly, like right where your belly button is with an arrow. Would be a little yeah. less painful. <laughs> I
2: don't weird. think you want that as a tramp stamp.
1: No. Reverse tramp stamp. <laughs> Even worse. All right, a hey, Trump before you, dance. oh no, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I try so hard not to bring the politics in because then you get uh, hate yeah. mail. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, yeah. You um, did a great job. <laughs> before you go, season three of Wrecked, one of my favorite shows. I know you can't give away too many spoilers. I don't even no, know if you know anything about what's going to be coming up on that. What can we expect? Not yet. I don't know anything yet.
3: We haven't started any like table and stuff, but. I know, like a month ago, they went into the writers' room, so they've definitely all lined up and they're fleshing it out. And I think all I know from, I mean, from the last episode, is we're going to be on this demented island with some like insane billionaire, and I think he's going to hunt the shit out of us, and that's going to be so insanely fun to do.
1: When you imagine what's going to happen, like if between season one and two, if you have an image in your head, I think this is where it's going. Does it kind of hit the mark what's in your head, or does it go way off anything you could ever imagine?
3: Oh, I mean, like.
1: I feel like that shows so outrageous. You could never just guess. I don't even try to guess what's going to happen.
3: No, no. That's exactly it. I mean, them finding a cruise ship and then like a pirate. Like, it's. You can do anything because the circumstances are already so dire, you know? And it's. It's totally believable. So um, I'd imagine that this guy is just going to like torture this gang of survivors until maybe just Chad is left, you know, <laughs> <don't>. everybody else.
1: <laughs> everybody on that show, by the way, does an amazing job. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody, I, I mean, usually there's weak links on shows and you go, oh, I like him, him and him, but she's not that great. Or I love her character, mm-hmm. but this character can go. Everybody on that show is working at like peak, like creative efficiency. In my opinion, yep. yep.
3: Everybody is is spot on, and they've got their like you were saying earlier they, they, they adapted the role, they created it, and then adapted it slightly based on people, and then now it's just like you get to lay in the pocket and just um, tear it up and have fun, which they do.
1: Yeah, timing. Their timing perfect. Yeah. That's the one thing okay. on that show. The timing on that show is perfect. All right, we gotta get out of here. George, I want to awesome. thank you so much for calling in today. This Dude, was a complete thank you, delight. Man. You thank and Claire did. <laughs> yeah, made my bonus episode like it made it rocking. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Fern. Thanks, Dee. Thank you guys all. Thank you. You have a great yeah. holiday, George, and we'll be in touch. Okay, man. You too. Thanks again for having me. See ya. All righty, we're gonna get out of here. D. Um. I know you're back there. Do you have any parting words for all the fans about D does things? You got some new videos coming out this week.
0: I do actually have a new video coming up tomorrow with a contest slash giveaway. So definitely head over to Facebook.com slash D does things is D E E does things, you know, subscribe, follow, etc.
1: We'll be back. Um, God with the end of the year show, I guess. So everybody have a great holiday. Yeah. Bye guys.